0: Welcome to you wherever you're at, whomever you're with. I'm so very glad that you've joined us for this message. Well, we are in a series called When the Love Runs Out. And uh, in case you missed the memo, uh, Jesus said uh, the one hallmark that would identify uh, people who are followers of him, uh, the one uh, attribute that would separate uh, the Christian faith from every other faith system Uh, on the planet, uh, Jesus said, uh, couldn't have said it more clearly, it would be our love for people. In fact, he said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And uh, you know, the qualifier there is not just a love that's kind and syrupy, sweet, It's a love that looks like the way Jesus loves us. And if you take a moment to think about the way he poured himself out for people far from God, uh, gave himself completely so that we could become uh, children of God. It's that kind of sacrificial love that he invites us to. In fact, he spoke of it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you've heard uh, that it was said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies but I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Because here's God's nature. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, uh, what reward is that? Uh, Are not even the tax collectors doing that much? And if you only greet Uh, those that are your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, uh, you know, when you hear those words, good question to ask is, what exactly is God inviting us into? And uh, I happen to uh, believe, and we've painted a portrait through this series, uh, that Jesus is inviting us into an extravagant life of love that is rooted in a rich experience of his forgiveness. You know, this is really the, uh, the, the key uh, formula, is uh, the love that we experience from Christ, uh, unmerited, uh, unearned, uh, freely gifted to us, lavished upon us to meet every need that we have. Uh, that's the source of our love for people. And uh, Jesus is inviting us into that equation. You know, we use this example of a sinful woman who was invited or (laughs) came uninvited uh, to the house of a Pharisee where Jesus was having a meal. And uh, in that scene, uh, she began to wash the Lord's feet with her tears, wipe them with her hair, pour perfume on them. And uh, Simon the Pharisee was offended By this sinful woman, uh, really what he was offended by was Jesus letting this woman touch him the way that she did. And uh, in response to that, uh, Jesus gave this uh, really poignant uh, lesson to Simon and to us. He said, I tell you, this woman's many sins have been forgiven as her great love has demonstrated. Uh, But whoever has been forgiven little... Well, they don't have an extravagant love, and what Jesus is saying is that the breadth of my love for people reveals the depth of my gratitude to God. That's one you can live with. The breadth of my love for people always reveals or shines a spotlight on the depth of my gratitude to God, and that comes really from being honest before God and recognizing our desperate need for his forgiveness. Uh, You know, as we've traced in this series, uh, that's the natural uh, progression of someone who experiences a faith in Jesus Christ. We're forgiven our sins. We realize the debt God has released us from, and we naturally want to demonstrate that same disposition toward others. Uh, But there's a wrench in the works. There's a fly in the ointment. And Jesus pointed to it as he was about to leave his first followers. He was going to return to his father in heaven. He said, there's going to come a time when it's going to be really difficult to walk in the way of love. In fact, he said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most people is going to grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In other words, you got to resist this. And uh, here's what I believe we're facing, and what is happening in today's world is that uh, many Christians, because it's difficult, because the world is complex, because people's sin is complex, uh, many Christians are opting out on the central teaching of Jesus to love people the way that he loves us. You know, uh, I... Uh, introduce to you uh, kind of some reasons why people are hard to love. Well, uh, I want to introduce to you uh, 10 reasons why Christians often opt out of the central teaching of Jesus to love people the way that he does. Uh, number 10, it's just spiritual immaturity. You know, uh, babies in Christ don't know that the mature teaching is to learn to love people the way that Jesus loved us, and they haven't yet worked that through into their faith walk. Uh, psychological factors. In other words, uh, people who've been wounded, people who've been hurt, uh, find it hard uh, to give themselves sacrificially to others. There needs to be some healing and some freedom experienced. Uh, number eight, uh, what we call cultural Christianity. Christianity. In other words, uh, I just want to be a part of a good uh, good group, place to raise my kids where they can learn some positive values and that really, though it has some merits, some virtues, that's not what Jesus taught his followers to be about it was anything cultural. Uh, group dynamics uh, here is where uh, we just kind of go with the flow. and uh, if our uh, friends and people that we know who are believers like us, don't really give themselves sacrificially to meet the needs of folks far from God, well, then we kind of participate uh, in the group flow of things. Uh, religious legalism, this is just a brand of teaching that looks as God as harsh, stern. It overlooks uh, much of what Jesus taught about uh, leading with mercy and compassion. Uh, number five would be uh, personal struggles, Uh, Maybe uh, someone's just going through a really difficult season in life. You know, it's easy when uh, we're just trying to get by, trying to survive, uh, trying to work through some challenges we're facing. It's easy to turn inward, lose that outward gaze that uh, causes us to notice people with needs that we might love effectively. Number four, it's just a misinterpretation of Scripture or misapplying the teachings of the Bible Uh, Maybe you'll find a a verse that would seem to advocate uh, pounding your enemies, seeking God's judgment on them, and uh, finding a way to use that as cause uh, to overrule the obvious commandments of Jesus. Uh, Cultural influences. Uh, This could uh, be things that are happening in our world around us that just, uh, again, Uh, make it hard to love people, make it complicated. Uh, Number two, hypocrisy. It's just blatantly believing one thing, but living quite another. And then finally, uh, what we call selective truth. Uh, This is cherry picking those parts of the Bible that seem to fit our natural views and perspectives. Well, you know, as we think about uh, why it is that Christians opt out of uh, loving people the way the Bible and Jesus clearly teach us that we ought to. It made me think of this old song that came out when I was four years old, back in 1958, (laughs) they were just inventing cars back then. But uh, this song was by a group called the Monotones. And they asked the question, I wonder who wrote the book of love? Well, if you really want to answer that question, my answer would be, John, the beloved disciple, uh, he wrote the book of love. In fact, if you read his gospel, the gospel of John, it talks more about the love of God for people and the love that Jesus calls his people into. But you know, John, he had some sequels uh, to his gospel. He wrote uh, three little epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And uh, really, uh, 1st John is all about calling Christ's followers back to a life of love. Like many of us, they've gone through some challenges and that they were opting out of the central mark of being a follower of Christ, which is to love others, even our enemies, the way that Jesus loves us. I want you just to hear uh, some of the, the, uh, the thrust of John's teaching as he calls these followers of Christ back to a life of love. He writes uh, in chapter 3, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Uh, He'll go on. This is how we know we are in Jesus. This is how we know that our faith is real. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He goes on, anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or a sister, is still living in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in the darkness, walks around in the darkness. In fact, they don't know where they're going, because the darkness is has blinded them. You know, John's beginning to build a case. You can't follow Jesus and not love people. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Well, the other side of that coin now. Whoever does not love does not even know God, because God is love. Uh, you need more? Well, John says, I've got more. This is love. It's the essence. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son as atoning, as a covering sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since we know that to be true, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Are you getting the message? John is saying, because of what God has done for us, we must love people. Uh, He goes on. He says in his little letter, chapter 4, verse 10, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Well, he's kind of getting to the summit of his little epistle on uh, the nature of love God's priority, Jesus' command. Uh, He says God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Uh, Now, kind of wrapping it up, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we live like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Hear that again. Whoever does not love people whom they see every day cannot love God whom they've never seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Well, that's fairly clear, isn't it? And uh, really, John the Beloved would say to us, as I would say, uh, opting out of loving people the way we experience love from Christ, it's not an option. If we want to remain Christian, that's a message of John the Beloved. You can't opt out of loving people and still love God and follow jesus christ you know uh, john that same beloved disciple uh, years later after penning these epistles uh, found himself uh, as an outcast he was on the island of patmos and there he received uh, really the last book of the bible we call it the revelation of jesus christ given to john the beloved disciple interesting in that initial the opening words of that revelation Jesus addresses his church that had opted out of loving people they were doing a lot of right things their doctrine was sound they were doing uh you know they were uh, making sure that there were no false teachers among them they were towing the line they were uh, keeping the faith they were persevering through difficult times and yet Jesus was not entirely pleased with them uh, here's what he says uh, through John, his beloved servant, he says, yes, yet I have this against you. This church in Ephesus, you've forsaken the love that you had at first. Give some thought to it. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. You know what Jesus is calling his church back to? Is that natural thing that happens in us when we realize that, forgiveness is real. Uh, heaven is real. We've been born again. We're going to live forever. And there's that initial flush of gratitude where we want to spread that love to others. And Jesus said uh, this church uh, had forsaken that. They'd let it go and they have allowed other things, other habits, other routines to make up their faith. And uh, the Lord of the church says, I'm not, I'm not okay with that. In fact, I'm correcting that, and I'm telling you, repent and return and regain what you've let go of. Uh, You know, I'd like to uh, begin to close this message. I I heard a good question this week. It's been around a while, uh, but it helps people get unstuck. Here's the question. What would you attempt if you knew that you could not fail? What would you go for? What risk would you take if you knew that failure was removed from the equation? Well, I want to invite you to consider this challenge. And uh, it comes with an assurance. If you'll make this your aim, you can't fail. And here's the challenge. It's to live the kind of life that uh, John has been calling us to. Uh, The Apostle Paul would write to his friends in that very city, Ephesus. He would write these words. Uh, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And you say, well, how can I uh, do that without fail? Well, you know, the greatest chapter on love in the entire Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, as it describes the nature of love that Paul, that God, that Christ is calling us into, uh, it gives definition uh, to what that acts like. Is the reason why this passage is read uh, just about every wedding ceremony that ever takes place within a church, uh, because nowhere will you find a more definite and clear, authoritative description of the kind of love that filled the heart of Christ for us. We're told, In these wonderful words, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it doesn't seek its own, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of offenses or wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. You know, they say we should never use the word always and never, but Paul uses them. When describing love, he said, Love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And here's the guarantee if you'll make that your aim, love never fails. Uh, Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you that the quality of your love, (laughs) we just read it, it's marvelous, it's wonderful. It's the kind of love that calls us out of darkness into light, out of bondage into freedom, out of sickness into health. And, Lord, we get to walk in that, and we get to be your agents of love. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, empower us to live a fragrant life of love that looks a lot like the way Jesus lived. And, Lord, uh, give us that courage to love like we've never been hurt, and to love with the strength and the power that you love us with. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.